meeting is being recorded. Welcome back in to another episode of We're Talking. We're talking basketball, Sunbelt Conference basketball, with voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed. How are you this evening, Danny? Well, I feel like I just saw you, but I'm <laughs> happy to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you well kind of did just see me Saturday night. Well, let's, before we get to Saturday night, let's uh, – uh, how's the weather there? Because I know Texas – especially the Dallas area is getting hammered right now and, and Austin. It seems like it's rained in Georgia for about the last three, really ever since we got back, it's been raining. And I can tell because the, the more it rains, the worse my brakes get, bro. So it might be time to look at getting a new car, but I, I know when it rains a lot because I always got to be a little bit more gentle on the brakes, a little bit, little bit of a glimpse into my car. But I've been looking to get a new one for a while, and if it keeps raining like this, it might have to happen a little bit sooner than later. But good to be a little bit away from the rain. I don't know what it's supposed to be like this weekend in Norfolk. I've, I haven't checked it yet, but I, I, I think that you've got the combined – well, in Statesboro, actually, we left – this being a Wednesday night, we left – earlier this afternoon and in town it was 73 degrees today so it was great weather for baseball and softball to keep practicing and get ready for their seasons it's it's been a little bit overcast up here i don't know what the weather's supposed to be here and then once we get to norfolk but for at least a little bit it's nice to get away from the rain understand understand we've been uh, getting very similar weather it's a little colder than when you were in town but not miserably cold and it'll be back up in the sixties by the weekend for baseball fan day. So, which we're all excited about baseball's right around the corner. That's right. All right. Let's talk, let's go back to last Thursday. I, I, I know it's probably a little bit harder for you as you're doing the game, but I know you take a, a, a good look at the box scores and what's going on. Any surprise that app state, handle Georgia State as easily as they did? Ordinarily, yes, but knowing that Georgia State has not won a game on the road all year, you can understand that. And they just finished up their four-game road trip, and I'm going to be able to speak a lot more about that since we play the Panthers tomorrow night. But the last four games, they've all lost, and it's been because of two reasons. One, they get off to really poor offensive starts, and – they're not re- and they're actually still rebounding, but they keep getting bit by turnovers. Now, Dwan Odom is somebody that has been in and out of the lineup. He missed a couple of games because of personal reasons. He didn't play in that first game in Statesboro. But now that he's back, they're trying to figure out, okay, can he be the guy that was scoring 14 a game before he took two games off? Or is he going to have to be this guy that just comes in off the bench, fills cracks? Or are we going to have to see Evan Johnson and Brendan Tucker handle the ball a little bit more and then rely even more so <clears throat> on guys like Jaheim Hudson on the inside to score and rebound. I mean, they've been rebounding. They rebounded Georgia Southern in that first game 12 days ago. But if they can get off to better offensive starts, then that's going to be a huge help to them. Granted, if you're asking me that, I hope it waits at least one more game so Georgia Southern can sweep this series. It, it, they're capable, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked for them on the road this year. I think – now that you mentioned all of that, I think we talked about that at lunch or or earlier in the day on the ride over to lunch. So I remember a lot of that, uh, but the, yeah, I did not know about the, the, the 
the guy being out. So uh, thank you. Uh, I, I just mean, I'm just dreading them because it seems like they kind of played this way at the beginning of the season last year. And then all of a sudden the last part of the half of the season and uh, conference tournament, they played well. So. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they were, they started 0-4 in league play last year. And I don't think it, they hadn't had a start that bad in more than two decades, but that team was a veteran team. They still had Kane Williams. They had Corey Allen. They had Justin Roberts. That was a veteran team. LAL Soseme was hurt for a while. They finally got him back and then they just started cooking everybody in the league. This is a much different team, a much different scheme. They're much more defensive and rebounding oriented. If they score, their share, great, and you ask Coastal Carolina about that because they put up 100 points on them a couple of weeks ago, but they haven't won since. They've dropped their last four, and I know all four of them were on the road. They've always been a very strong home team, even though they just did change venues, now playing at the GSU Convocation Center. This will be Georgia Southern's first ever visit there. But if they're going to get hot, they're going to have to start playing better on offense. And if we have a different conversation, when we do this next week, maybe they will have been a little bit better on offense and I won't be as sunny about it. But for right now, it's it's a Georgia State team that's probably searching a little bit. But having Dwan Odom back to run their offense as their point guard, that's only going to help them down the line as he gets more and more comfortable, even though he missed those couple of games a couple of weeks back. Well, good luck to you all this uh, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I know all the Cajun fans. It doesn't matter if Georgia State is 0-30, we'll still be pulling against them. So, <laughs> uh, But you brought up Coastal Carolina. To me, uh, a little bit uh, – they played James Madison well, but at the same time, they seem to have dropped. And I say dropped because, you know, they were able to beat the Cajuns early on in the season, uh, early on in conference play. I thought they were going to be a little bit better than they did, but they seem to – to drop a couple of games now. What's your thoughts on Coastal? It seems like almost all their games are coming down to the final seconds. And it, it's either they're winning by one possession, they're losing by one possession. Georgia Southern goes to Old Dominion on Saturday. Well, those two games against the Monarchs ended the same way. Coastal was at ODU, hit free throws with a second left to win. ODU was at Coastal, hit free throws with a second left to win. So that's a microcosm of Coastal's conference schedule. Look, they've got one of the league's best big men in Mustafa. They've got one of the best downhill drivers in Antonio Day. They just don't seem to shoot it consistently like they have. And I don't know if they're rebounding it as well as they have. They started off really well on the glass, but it just it seems like that they're not getting that part of the game. And they're also having to play without one of their primary scorers. Jamaru Brown is somebody that started. And the last time Georgia Southern saw them, he was off a 28-point game against the Cajuns. He came off the bench that game. He hasn't played the last eight games. And there's been no report as to why he has been out. So that's been about 12 to 14 points per night they've had to make up for. I think that they have the talent. But they're a little bit down in some of the areas where they've typically been good. But they've been still good enough to play close games. But they're still lacking what's necessary to win close games consistently and that's why they've been so wishy-washy in league play okay yeah i was gonna say i thought I, it's been eight or nine weeks that, that, that the cajuns have played them but i do remember their rebounding and that was going to be my comment that they seem to rebound the ball very well and uh, just it's a little bit of surprise to me i guess uh, but when you're losing when you're winning or losing close games it's almost a 50-50 opportunity, obviously, there 
that you get a chance to win or lose. So, uh, ULM at Marshall, double overtime. Uh, I, I kind of felt like uh, I I slighted a little bit last week, uh, Keith Richard, when I when I talked about Troy's uh, Scott Cross, and when I when I what I meant by that was I I thought. I thought Troy had a deeper team than, than ULM does. I mean, Troy obviously plays more players. ULM plays six. Uh, I think Keith Richard is a very good coach. I think he's hamstringed in a lot of ways uh, at ULM. But at the same time, they were able to take Marshall to double overtime and take that win. Did you get to see much of that or pay attention to much of that? From what I've read, it seems that Marshall lately has been having trouble closing out games. Even though they're still winning games, it seems like they're having trouble putting people away where it it, they, it could be some dominant victories. And look what they did on Saturday against Georgia State was pretty dominant, but they still had to go through a double overtime loss against ULM to a team that played six and a half guys. I think two of their guys played all 50 minutes of that game, which that's normal for them. Richard always has a very short rotation. Marshall doesn't play that much more than six. You might see nine guys on the box, but really six guys are playing a lot of the minutes. They're so that that starting five is so talented. They don't really need to go off the bench very much unless they absolutely have to. But when Marshall doesn't get easy offense, they're not a team that likes to run a whole lot of exotic sets. It's spread the floor, create space, get a quick bucket. They thrive in transition. They're not a team that wants to go against set defense. And that's strange because, well, with as good as they are on offense, that's because they rebound and then they create those quick opportunities by running on 94 feet. Or if you have to have them bring it up, if they take it out of the net, they're one or two passes in shot. It's an NBA-style offense. Dan D'Antoni, Mike's brother, that's what they implement. They basically pioneered this style a fast tempo offense at the professional level. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch when it's clicking. It did against Georgia state last Saturday, but if they don't make their shots from the outside and they're not a great three point shooting team, they'll make a good many threes because they have Cam Kerfman, who's one of the national leaders and made threes, but they don't shoot it great from three as a team. They rebound great. They have a lot of assists because they flow their offense they're so smooth with it. They'll get Micah hand locked at a bunch of easy buckets. Anno Chili Killen gets a lot of easy buckets because of how well both Kinsey and Andy Taylor pass within the framework of the offense. But if they don't knock down their jumpers, they struggle to get back in transition and they don't defend very well in the half court. Georgia Southern cut their defense up in the first half of that game in Statesboro. They got 49 points. They shot 70% from the field. Now Marshall did rally to get within two late but they didn't make enough plays down the stretch. And that's why Georgia Southern got one of its best, if not its best overall victory this year. But I, th I think with Marshall, they, they should have won that game. They just didn't close it out. And when you got a motivated team like ULM with guys like Blackman and LaCour that are streaky shooters, but are veteran guys when they get hot and you got hard workers inside like Bafuto and Howell that all they do is rebound, then yeah, you're going to have games where if you don't finish somebody like ULM, they're going to get you, even though it took 50 minutes to get them. Yeah, I, I turned into the last four to six minutes of that game, and Marshall was in control of it. They were up four to six points always, maybe eight at one point, but they just they never they never slammed the door on ULM and let them get back into it. So it's kind of their own fault. You know, it, it's interesting to see Marshall actually lead the league in three point shots made per game uh, at eight point three. 
but they're sixth in three point percentage. So uh, yeah, they're taking they're taking about seventy shots per game because of the tempo. They've been top ten in the country in tempo, so a lot of that is by volume. That the percentages are going to be very high, but the number made is going to be high because they're jacking up more than just about everybody else. Them and JMU are going to shoot a ton of threes. That's just how their offenses are. So when you see eight made per game, wow, that's a part of the game you got to take away. But when they need to shoot 33s to get there, then you can understand why they're making that many. Yep. Uh, Old Dominion traveled to South Alabama and got a win. That's another team that I, I just honestly I can't figure out at times is Old Dominion. And maybe that goes back to, again, they beat the Cajuns early on, and I think the Cajuns are a pretty good team, and they're kind of showing that. But at the same time, I thought Old Dominion played well. So, but it was a home game for them. But this one was at South Alabama. And uh, I believe South Alabama might have had the lead late in the game and blew that one as well. Yeah, I think that this is two parts. One, I, I just I don't think that South Alabama is that good, to be honest with you. And I think that if you would ask them, they're, they're a little bit down this year. Look, Isaiah Moore is a really talented point guard but they don't have a great supporting cast. They're used to these talent stuff rosters and they're still talented, but I think that they would agree that they're not up to the usual standard. They're going to play hard, of course, but they're struggling for a reason. And with old dominion, they're a big culture program. They're a big defense and rebounding program. Jeff Jones has been that way over four decades. The coach, he is one of the best in this country have a lot of respect for the way that he coaches his teams they went to Mobile without their big left-hander on the inside, Ben Stanley. He didn't play the last four games because of an injury. Emo Essien, who was their starting point guard, remember, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago, he fainted during that Georgia yep. Southern game. He, he was short of breath. I think they, they had diagnosed with a slight heart issue, but he went through a battery of tests. He actually came back. He returned for that South Alabama game. And then Tyreek Scott Grayson was sick, so he only played eight minutes. But they – they don't stop defending. If, if you get, if you score against them, it's you did something right because they're very good at packing it in. They don't give you very many shots. They're going to make you one and done. They're also going to make sure they get their extra shots on offense because they attack the glass, whether it's when Stanley's healthy with him, they bring Faison Fields off the bench. Makai Long is a really good player that doesn't get much due. I think he finally is because he got named player of the week earlier this week. And they go to Conway on Saturday. He goes for 19 and 19. They win by one. Stanley didn't play that game. Scott Grayson was too sick to play that game. So they were without maybe their two best overall players. And they still won a road game in the Sun Belt, which they are very, very precious regardless of where you are in the packing order. So I, I think that they, they feel like that they've got things going in the right direction. But it's a big week for them because they've got two home games. The rivalry with them and JMU is pretty heated because they really don't like each other. We know how Southern not state goes. Of course, they may say stay not Southern, but JMU and ODU really don't like each other. They've got a rivalry series with points that they play for. And then with Georgia Southern going there on Saturday, Eagles will look for some revenge after the overtime loss at Hanner. Uh, the, the Cajuns game, I know we talked about this as well, but uh, off the air, but the Cajuns played Troy, hosted Troy and, uh, I mean, it's not often you see a team with a 20-point lead and the team that they're beating by 20 doesn't have a foul. That happened the first seven and a half minutes of the game 
and Troy couldn't buy a basket. And it, it was just one of those odd games that uh, I, I really thought Troy was going to be a better, it was going to be a better game and a better team. And then they turn around on Saturday and pretty much do the same thing at South Alabama. What's going on with Troy? You think, have y'all played them or we, we do not see Troy this year. That is the one team in the league that Georgia okay. Southern does not play unless it would be in a tournament setting, but probably similar to Georgia Southern losing two road games last week. And yeah, they had a chance to make things right on Saturday in a rivalry game against South. But, you know, I just said South Alabama is probably a little bit down this year. They come out, play remarkably well. They got out quickly, built that double-digit lead. Troy never really threatened in that game. Kevin Samuel had really low numbers on Thursday against ODU, then comes back and has a double-double with 13 rebounds. So whatever he needed to get right, he did. And maybe this is South Alabama putting together one more push to try to get out of the bottom third of the standings. Because, as you know, the bottom four teams are all going to play each other on Tuesday in what is, in essence, the play-in portion of the Sunbelt Tournament. So you really don't want to be in that bottom four. And if South can keep that going, because they've got two winnable road games this week at Arkansas State and ULM, then maybe they could surprise a little bit. And they were playing better. They, they didn't start out great, but they were playing better. They slipped a little bit. Just three and seven isn't, isn't much to be happy about. But at the same time, if they can duplicate what they did against Troy and then keep doing that, then maybe they will be a team that has to be has to be reckoned with down the down the final four weeks of the season. That's a team that uh, that hasn't played impressively except for that Troy game, that, from what I've seen. But at the same time, it's a team that scares me for the re- the reasons you just gave. I think if they get hot at the right time, they could be the Georgia State of last year. So, and that's that's been the thing for South Alabama. Typically, they've been very good at the end of the year. You take last year out when they lost their 12-5 game against Little Rock. But typically, even though Richie Riley has developed a, a bit of a dislike amongst a lot of the Sunbelt fan bases in this league, his teams do seem to play the best at the end of the season. And you, yes. you got to give him his due on that. Uh, I think that I think part of that is he brings in so many new players every year. It probably takes them that long to get a feel for each other. But it's 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 a dangerous way to be. If, if it works, you look great. But having to do that almost every year, it has a way of eventually nipping you. Yeah, and that doesn't mean he can't find talent. It's clear that he negotiates that portal as well as anybody in this country. But sometimes it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to. Absolutely. Lastly, uh, Georgia Southern traveled to Texas State, a game that I think both teams would, would, would like to play in the 60s. Uh, Texas State came out on top of that by three. Uh, I think Georgia – did I say Georgia State? I meant Georgia Southern if did. I did. You just go there, but I don't think you did originally. Okay. Uh, but Georgia Southern, I think, had uh, a lot of opportunities in that game. Uh, Texas State is another one that that kind of uh, befuddles me, and I, I just don't know what to, to think about them. Your thoughts on your game, though? Well, Mason Harrell didn't play the previous Saturday against the Cajuns, and Mason Harrell did not play at all last weekend, whether it was against Georgia Southern or when they went to Southern Miss. So they've had to figure some things out on offense. And the way that they figured it out on Thursday was that a guy that was two of 14 career from three made three threes. 
a guy that was three of 30 on the year from three made a three, a guy that had 20 points total in conference play went for 23 and Georgia Southern lost by three points. So they needed every little bit of that because with Harold not going and Drew Drennan not being very effective, he was only one of nine from the field. Look, Georgia Southern was in really good position. They got 10, nothing. Andre Saversoff had 17 first half points. They were up by five going into the break. They built it back up to seven to start the second half. But then once Texas State got into transition, this is one of the few times all year that Georgia Southern has struggled with their transition defense. And what's really hurt the Eagles the last few games, they've been out rebounding in four straight, and they've lost four out of five. When they rebound, they win. When they don't rebound, they typically don't win. I was going to say, y'all had the lead with about 10 minutes left in the game or so, eight to 10 minutes. It, it was back and forth there for a little yeah. bit, but then once, once they put together a couple of baskets, Georgia Southern had not only a couple of shots go in and out, but they had a number of free throws that seemed just go halfway down and out, and they had a chance with a one-possession game with a chance to either get closer or tie. They either turned it over with a dead ball or a live ball, just never, never fully came back, even though they did have a chance at a three to tie it at the very end, but that shot went off, and Texas State ended up getting a victory they probably weren't expecting without Harrow and with Drennan only making one shot the whole game. Let's move on to Saturday. Uh, some games, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I think we saw was ULM with the double overtime game, two guys playing 50 minutes. We were wondering how that was going to affect their legs. The it, It's really a close game till about four and a half minutes left. Then James Madison pulls away with a 13-point win. Um I don't think anybody's surprised there. I'm sure you're not. No, I'm actually not surprised that ULM was up at the half. But it, it was going to get them eventually. If, if they would have won both of those games, then that was a, oh, wow. Okay, that, that, that dramatically changes the conversation on ULM. But I, I think that what happened is probably the way that that was going to go. I don't know if ULM was even expecting in the heart of hearts to beat Marshall, especially the way that it happened. But to win one that dramatically, you're basically house money on Saturday, where even if you do lose, okay, you weren't expected to win anyway. You're still keeping pace to a degree with the top half of the Sun Belt standings. And for a ULM team that was picked to finish at the bottom of the league, they're at least in contention to get one of those top four. There's, I think, still about nine teams that have a legit chance of being a top four. And with four weeks left in the season, that's really all you want. You want parity. You you want to make sure that a lot, if not all of your teams have a chance to make a run and do something. And the Sun Belt has done that in the first year of 14 teams. Uh, yes. It, it's been very interesting. And one of your uh, conversations there that I wanted to bring up was Old Dominion and Coastal talking about parity, 60 to 59 game on Saturday. Um, I, I tell you, Saturday I enjoyed because the only two games that were left to start, uh, I, I was able to all watch all the early games and it was just Georgia State at Marshall and Georgia Southern at Louisiana. So I, I got to watch every bit of all these games, even though I've, it was on three separate TVs and I didn't, I, I guess I wasn't watching every minute of it. But you know what I mean. It was fun to watch. And that Coastal uh, Old Dominion game, I think you brought it up with the one point. Was that where uh, Coastal beat them at ODU? Did they not earlier? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the way that both games – I said that 
both games ended with free throws at the opposing team's gym, but they both ended on foul calls on yes. three-point shots, which is weirdly poetic that Old Dominion got a reprieve from the way that the Coastal game ended just two weeks before. So to have two games be almost identical to each other with the way that they ended is pretty creepy. Yeah, Old Dominion got fouled right at uh... – they ended up putting about 1.2 seconds back on the clock, but uh, he makes the first free throw, misses the second free throw, and then makes the third free throw to give him a one-point victory. It was, a, it was kind of an exciting game to watch, but happy the way it came yeah. out. And the guy that made the free throws, Bryce Baker, I think he'd only attempted 10 free throws all year. So that was that, that's a that's a whoa moment. Yes. All right, I'm sure a game that you – would like to forget, but at the same time, uh, Georgia Southern uh, visiting Louisiana. First half, it's I don't know. It's therapeutic to talk about it. It's fine. Okay, I know. I'm just, uh, there's many games I'd like to forget also, but I'm willing to talk about them when the Cajuns do bad. But have you seen a better performance by any Georgia Southern team in the first half shooting the ball? You know, I, I brought it up during the broadcast that the first half of the Wofford game in non-conference was, I thought, as well as Brian Burke's teams have played in maybe his three years. And then I said something similar to that in the Marshall game, even though Marshall had shot it pretty well, Wofford had shot it fairly well. The defense at the beginning of the Georgia State game, that was the best defensive half that they had played all year, holding them to, what, 5 out of 26 or whatever. I think they were 19% of that game. To considering where they were and the streak that Louisiana was on without two starters to shoot 69% and be up by 19, that was that was pretty that was probably the most impressive though. That's that's just another category. I, I agree. I, I I in some of the shots, uh, your guys played their butts off, and some of the shots they made were just unbelievable, and um, it. As an as as the opposing fan, if 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 they're not playing the Cajuns, I'm cheering for them because they're playing well and they're doing what they need to do. And uh, I didn't think the Cajuns played that bad offensively. I just don't think their shots went down. I don't think they're our our guys. Our fans sometimes like to say that our guys go down and jack up that three. I don't. I didn't see that in the game really. I felt like their shots were all well timed or whatever, however you want to say it. But they were good shots. They just didn't go in. Did you? Did you see something different than I did? Or well, in the first half, it honestly seemed like the closer the Cajuns got to the rim, the tougher it was for them to score. Which which is weird considering the Jordan Brown's the the player of the year, and I know he got going in the second half. But what helped the Eagles greatly in the first half is that they didn't give up a whole lot of second shots. Louisiana was one and done, and the Eagles were able to get out and go a little bit. And, look, I know I noticed about the Texas State guys that usually don't make shots making shots. Nate Bradford and Derek Harris had back-to-back threes, and they're two guys that are towards the end of the bench, but with not having two starters, they had to flex out the rotation a little bit more. But those have been capable guys at points this year. Nate's known – as a very good shooter, he just doesn't have the numbers yet because he hasn't had the consistent minutes yet. He's going to be asked to do a lot once 2023 rolls around. And then for Harris, 
somebody that has missed time for an ankle injury and a concussion this year, so he hasn't been able to establish any consistency. But you can't tell me that scoring double digits isn't going to not only get him more playing time going forward, but it's also going to help his confidence against whomever the opponent is. Now, when Georgia Southern does get its guys back, whenever Strickland and Sabersoff are able to return, it could be as soon as Thursday night. I haven't been given a full update on the roster yet, but to know that those guys could step in and still thrive like that against a team that had been as hot as Louisiana, that, that's still that's something you got to be happy about. I agree. I think it is it, as it, bad as the feeling is blowing in a 19 point lead. I, I got to believe you took some positives away from that. And that's what you were just talking about. So you mentioned though, that old dominion likes to shoot about 70 shots a game. No, uh, Marshall Marshall. Oh, was it Marshall? Yes. Sorry. Marshall. It, sometimes it might take Old Dominion two games to shoot it 70 times. And so our, our game Saturday might be whoever gets to 41st. So, all right, but 70 shots in a game by Marshall, just them. But in this game, there were 72 combined free throws. The game lasted yeah. two hours and 15 minutes. Um, and then I don't think all the fouls were called on both sides. It, it, you know, it, <laughs> What I mean, I, this is not what I've seen all year in the Sun Belt. I've seen them let us let the teams get physical, and it basically, unless it was a shooting foul, they didn't really call fouls. Did you see something different in this game? Or and I'm not don't necessarily want to go into the officiating one way or the other, but you know, was it called a little different? You think or? Honestly, it's it's however whatever whatever gets called is how it gets called. And you can say however you want to. Well, it was different in the first half and the second half, or vice versa. But whatever forces that game to stop because of a whistle, and I, I know the coaches tell players this all the time: just move forward, next play, next play. It, you got to roll with it. It, you you can sit and look. I know fans are going to argue. Fans are going to complain because they're fans, and that that that's their they're paying their money. That's that's their right. But it, it's it's not going to change. W whatever is called is called, and whoever doesn't let it negatively affect them is going to be better off by the time it's triple zeros. I I agree. I think that's where a team has to. Uh, keep keep its composure, keep its focus, and just uh, you know to use that '70s term, keep on trucking. So, and look, it's really easy to say that when you're talking on a podcast, but yeah. when you're in the heat of battle and you're in a Division One situation, really any situation, especially when you're on the road and you feel like everything's going against you, even though you got a big lead, and I'm not specifically just talking about Georgia Southern, this could be anybody. Right. When you feel like stuff starts to go against you, even if you're at home and you feel like stuff starts to go against you, it, you, you saw what happened with the Cajuns. Even though some things happened that they probably weren't pleased with, whether it was their own devices or perceived calls, by the end of the game, they still won by, Cajuns still won by seven. So, they must have stayed poised enough and locked in enough to be able to do what they did in the final 20 minutes where Georgia Southern just couldn't stay consistent, even though I think that not having two starters in the foul trouble really caught up to them. 
Yeah, uh, the uh, I, I agree with you totally. Even though all of these guys out there are competitors, that's why they're playing Division One basketball. You know, if they if they didn't have the heart, you know, it's it's, it's some of t- sometimes it's more than just skill that gets you to that next level, and that's what these guys are all competitors. So. Moving on to this week's games, Thursday, uh, big game in Atlanta. Uh, have have the uh, the Eagles oh, been able we, to? We get to lead off. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, yes. Uh, the Eagles never hit lead off in my life. This is great. <laughs> the Eagles are headed uh, or are in Atlanta for tomorrow night's game. And have since you've been there, have as Georgia Southern beat uh, Georgia State. Twice in a season. Oh yeah. It, okay. It, I mean, well, see, they used to be conference rivals in the TAC. Now the Atlantic Sun, and then they went their separate ways, and then they didn't play for about a decade. And then when they resumed the rivalry, I think they didn't play from '97 to '09. But then they renewed the rivalry, but it was only once a year because that's when they were in the Colonial before they went back to the Sun Belt. George Southern was still in the Southern Conference, and then when they got back together as Sunbelt rivals. They hadn't beaten them twice since 92 until the, the COVID year, until 1920 when they won both games up in Atlanta, and they hadn't won there since January of 92. They have not swept the regular season series since 92. Now, they won the overall series because of that on-site tournament game when the tournament was different in 2020, but they haven't won twice in the regular season in 31 years. Okay. What does Georgia Southern have to do to beat State? I'll I'll take this right out of Coach Berg's mouth. Guard the basketball, transition defense, and they got a rebound. When Georgia Southern rebounds, they win. When they get out-rebounded, they lose. And Georgia State still liking to push the ball up the court off of a defensive rebound? Yeah, it seems like – this is much different from those teams that Rob Lanier and Ron Hunter had built where they were three-heavy – guard driven bigs would be offensive rebounders and I think to a degree their bigs are still offensive rebounders but this is a much more controlled system if they can get you quickly they're going to take their transition buckets but they're really built on stopping you they want to make sure that they beat you by simply making sure you don't score whereas before Georgia State was a team that could make 10 threes a game and just score more points I know that that sounds weird and it's it's two ways of saying the same thing but it's different when you're trying to be defensive minded. And then it's different when you're just trying to outscore somebody. It's the same idea, but it's just different ways of going about it. Jonas Hayes has really turned this into a program that wants to keep you out of the lane, make it very difficult for you to score in the half court. And you're not going to get very much easy, very similar to old dominion to be, to be quite honest. Okay. Uh, Marshall at half state. Uh, I guess I'm still, not used to App State being at the top of the near the, the top of the standings. I still think of as a football school, but they seem to be doing this better this year. How difficult Greg, they did the second last year. Well, that was last year. I forget. <laughs> they, won, they won the tournament title the year before. <laughs> yeah, but they, but yeah, they okay, they won the tournament title the year before, but they were still in fifth or sixth place when they went into the tournament. That's a valid point. That's a good point. So, all right. So, Marshall headed to App State. What does uh, Marshall have to do to win on the road? 
I know you guys are going to get to see them on Saturday. It, That's it's, what I want to know. They, they, they're a lot of fun to watch on offense. They, they are, to be honest, as a fan, I'm sure their fans love it. They're, to be a fan, to answer this question, they're a blast to watch run, run their offense. The three guards of Taylor, Kerfman, and Kenzie, it's the best three-guard combo of any team in the league. They're all three preseason all-league picks, and they very have a very good chance of being postseason all-league guys. I think Kenzie might be the player of the year at this point. But if they play a lick of defense, if, if they even play a little bit of defense, they are extremely tough to beat. You can get them by making them shoot a lot of jump shots because, like we talked about before, not a high percentage. They'll make a lot because they shoot a lot. But deep down, if they don't consistently get stops, they're not going to beat anybody. Even in games where they score 80 points, if they can't stop anybody, it's going to cost them. Okay. Coastal Carolina visiting ULM. I, I think, and I, I, think, I don't think I would have said this at the beginning of the year, but I think it, it's, it's a big advantage, ULM, right here. I mean, I think they, they they got off the road, played four games on the road, uh, back home, uh, probably got some rest. Coastal going on the road or on a on a school night. What's your thoughts there? <laughs> you make them seem like they're in high school going on the road on a school night. Well, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I still say, uh, you know, when I go out to Legends, I say, all right, I got to go home. It's a school night, even though it's. A work night. I, got uh, I mean, the rap on Coastal has been they're not very good on the road. They're they're a decent home team, but they're, they've never been that strong on the road. If they're going to make any kind of hay to get to the top half of this conference, this is a game you got to win. Even though ULM is much better than they have been these last couple of years, it's their best team since that 19 squad was an offensive juggernaut, all those threes when they had Deshaun Smith for just that one year. This is the best team they've had since then. But if Coastal has any thought about being a top-half team, you can't go into Fant Ewing and lose to start this weekend. I don't know if they're going to win, but it's still a – I mean, Cliff Ellis has been around the block more than anybody else will ever be around the block. So he's probably telling those guys, look, if y'all want to have a good weekend, this is one you got to get. Uh, definitely. I just I just noticed that game starts at 6.30, and I'm, I'm – Noticing now, and I forgot that we have a double header with the women's playing before ours. So uh, the Cajuns basketball game hosting Texas State will not start till 730. So very interesting. Uh, Texas State coming to town for the Cajuns. Uh, you, we, we both saw Texas State recently. Uh, what happens there? I mean, is Texas State a road team? Or have they had success on the road? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I tried looking it up in the standings here, but it doesn't give me the uh, road versus. Uh... All right. So what does Texas State have to do to beat the Cajuns? How does Texas State? Or is that another? Texas State. No, the... No, Texas State's good. They're going to muddy it up on defense. And if Mason Harrell plays, that that's that's a big factor. If he doesn't, then 
watch the last two games because it's mostly a Drew Drennan driven offense. Drew Drennan driven offense. Yeah. So that's going to how that's going to have to go. If Harrell comes back, that's somebody that's 15 points per game. Granted, you don't know how healthy he's going to be having missed the last three, but they're going to play hard. They're going to defend and they've got to do that. And then just hope they make enough shots. Cause yeah. I, I'm, the cage is the cage is being undefeated at home. Cage is at a long winning streak. Cajuns getting a lot of attention in the mid-major polls. It's a lot to overcome. Uh, Texas State actually in conference play has the uh, scoring-wise is the top defensive team uh, in the league, and the Cajuns are number two in scoring, uh, just behind Marshall. Well, I guess Marshall has actually scoring five points per game more. So, but so something has to give there a little bit. It'll be. Interesting. I'm looking forward to the game uh, on Saturday. Wait, that's Thursday. Thursday. So very, uh, but Texas State is, I think it's a huge trap game for the Cajuns coming off of that big win, uh, big comeback win against Georgia Southern. And then with Marshall coming in this weekend with both teams actually uh you know, playing at the top of the league. So uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to me to see what happens there this weekend, this Thursday. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you what. That's going to be a tough game tomorrow just because Texas State just has a way of playing. I don't care who the coach is. They have a very defined way of how they play defense and how paced they are on offense. But if that Cajun Dome isn't rocking back and forth that Marshall game on Saturday, then y'all ain't doing it right. I, I agree. I agree. I, I just, that, that has potential to be a high-level game. I know ticket sales have been brisk for the game. They've got a lot of things going on. It's senior night. We're doing it earlier this year uh, since, uh, since, since the, the season ends on a Wednesday, Friday. And we have baseball, BYU coming in that weekend as well. So senior night this weekend, the fabulous Cajun chicken will be there. So it, it'll be a fun time and looking forward to it. But I, I'm looking at this schedule for Saturday, and I really see, in my opinion, uh, there's two games that I feel that should be the most competitive, Georgia Southern at Old Dominion being one of them. And we just talked about Marshall, Louisiana a little bit. But what – and you talked a little bit about this, but how, how do you go up to Georgia Southern, go up to Old Dominion and, and, and win that game? You know, I've, I've thought about that Old Dominion game that the team's played already. And if Georgia Southern hangs on to win that game, they're 4-0 in conference play, and who knows what doors that opens. Maybe it doesn't help much. Maybe they are – Maybe they're eight and two now. Who knows? Who knows? But I do know that's a game that the Eagles felt like they let slip. But Old Dominion is probably looking that is one that they should have won because that was their first league victory. And it was also the first time they had won on the road this year. We knew it was going to be a physical game that got heated. There was a technical foul in the first half of that game. There was, you know, the situation with Dorico Williams and Andre Saversoff. Williams got the technical, of course, Emo Essien fainting about seven minutes into the first half. Ultimately, he was fine. 
And God, that was scary because of what had just happened with DeMar Hamlin for the Bills on Monday night football against Cincinnati during the regular season. So everybody was, geez, now it's, now it's here. But thankfully he went off the floor. He was on the bench for the second half. He, he was fine. And he's back and playing with them again. Yeah. This, this has a chance to be one of the more intriguing games in the league all weekend because George Southern's going to have to fight like, you know, what to just split the season series and old dominion could hold a tiebreaker by sweeping and I think a lot of it's going to depend on the supposed health of Ben Stanley and Tyreek Scott Grayson. If they're both good for Thursday, then it's game on from what happened the first matchup. But if there's any way that there's an advantage to be gained, and granted for Georgia Southern, it's the supposed health of Ty Strickland and Andre Saversoff. I can't tell you at this point if both are going to be able to go or if one's going to be able to go for tomorrow against Georgia State. But the health of four of those primary guys, once you know the status, you might be able to paint the picture a little bit. But even so, I, I would guess it's going to be a pretty tight game, defensive-minded game. But what I do know is that Georgia Southern has a full grasp on what it's going to take to beat Old Dominion because they saw it before, even though they didn't finish the job. And I think that's going to better equip them to hopefully stay hot after a win on Thursday. We'll just have to have to see how it all happens. Lastly, I, I want I, I kind of overlooked this game. James Madison and App State, they're both six and four. The Cajuns have yet to play James Madison, do not play App State. Uh, is there any carryover for the fans with James Madison going into App State last year in football and beating them? Is that something that you, you – I've never been to App State for base, basketball. You know, I, I don't know what type, type of fan base they have there. Um, Honestly, I, I think it depends on the school. Okay. It, it just it just depends. Now, if it's Georgia Southern App State or Georgia Southern Georgia State, then everything matters. But uh, honestly, it, it depends on the school and it just depends on the situation. Okay. Who do you think pulls that out? Georgia Ma James Madison on the road or App State at home? It, it should be JMU, but – the funny thing about App State is they played without Tyree Boykin the last couple of weeks because of a foot injury, and Terrence Harkham is somebody that's really emerged. He, he made eight threes in their game against Old Dominion. He had 28 points. That's why they beat the Monarchs in Norfolk. If, if he keeps going and if they get Boykin back, I, I don't know about his status, but that, that, that's a tricky one for JMU. I, I, they're, they're a better team, but that, that's a tricky one if they're not able to – to guard Harkin because remember App State went to JMU on national television on a Saturday night way at the start of conference play was on ESPNU and they decked JMU. They got up early. JMU tried to come back, but I don't think they ever got it inside of two possessions. So yeah, there'll be some revenge on JMU's mind, but that that's a very tricky one because App is a much better home team. They are a road team. Okay. Well, any last words of wisdom before we wrap it up here tonight on anything that you want to talk about that just happened this past week or coming up? This is a, a unique time because we just had signing day and granted national signing day in February has taken on a lot different meaning, especially at the G5 level with the early signing period now in December. And granted, it looks like that might end up going away if the powers that be have their decisions to make on that 
you've got baseball and softball starting. I mean, softball starts in nine days. Baseball is going to start in barely over two weeks. So this is this is a cool time to really have all three at once and basketball right in the thick of it. You've got more than two thirds of the league in contention for that top four. You know, it seems like Louisiana Marshall and Southern Miss are slowly separating themselves from everybody else. But, you know, ULM's not that far back. James Madison's not that far back. And then you've got this cluster of an old dominion at Georgia Southern and app state a ULM that's not that far back. So maybe it's the stalwarts that just keep on trucking, or maybe it's somebody that's not getting their due that will by the time we get to the end of February and everybody heads to Pensacola. But in, in this case, I do like the fact that everybody goes to Pensacola. You had to get creative with the brackets since it's 14 teams, but especially since this is the first year, I love the fact that everybody gets a chance to go and, you don't need to get hot now, but you need to figure out where the knob on the stove is, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, softball starting next week, and I was going to mention it. We're uh, 16 days away from college uh, baseball, and we're very close to the same amount of time to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting to Major League Baseball. So Yeah, I think that's, I think that's two weeks away, too. That's right. Yeah, so it is, no offense to Santa Claus, but it, it it's getting very close to the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> well, you know, the Eagles and the Cajuns don't play each other in baseball this year, and I don't believe they play each other in softball either. Uh, well, I probably wouldn't make it for softball, but I would have made it there for baseball. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next time around next year uh, that happens. So, or, or we'll just do it in Pensacola since that will, that's what we've done the last two years or in, in Montgomery. We'll have to but, do it in Montgomery since that's what we've done the last two years. Yes, that's true too. Uh, we will definitely see each other then. Well, Danny, safe travels. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, good luck it, to y'all this weekend. You too. Thank you. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking basketball, Sunbelt Conference basketball with Danny Reed voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.